Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Wow, it is great to be back at the river. Sherry and I have been looking so forward to being back with you. And uh, we want to just welcome those that are online. And uh, Pastor Craig and Cindy, we know you're watching. And Pastor Craig, as you're eating the Captain Crunch cereal, uh, we love you. We're sending a lot of love your way. Um, You know, when I think of this church and uh, just all on the line, God has been faithful, hasn't he? The faithfulness of God. And uh, as I was driving up, I passed the movie theater, the old Doylestown movie theater that you'd started. Does anybody remember, anybody go that far back to when it launched? Yeah, a few. I see a few hands. Um, and uh, and uh, you've, you've survived that movie theater. I saw that it's closed. But uh, you know what? The church of God and what God's doing is pretty amazing. And today we're going to talk about God's faithfulness. God is faithful. You know, uh, I love this story about a pastor who was called on by a family. This, this couple had two boys, eight and ten, that were pretty mischievous. Some of you might have had kids that were pretty mischievous. These kids were always getting into trouble. They were always stealing things and stuff like that, and the parents were very worried. But they heard that there was a new pastor in town who was really, really great at uh, helping families and just kind of really communicated well with with kids, and they said, uh, Pastor, can we come in and, and bring, you know, our sons in to meet with you? And uh, he said, absolutely. And so, you know, as they brought him in, uh, parents came in, and they brought the kids in. They, and so they said, we're going to bring them one at a time so you can talk with them. And so brings in the eight-year-old first, and, and, uh, and, and the pastor, you know, begins just asking the kids a few questions, asking the boy a few questions. And the first question, he looks at it, and he says, where is God? And uh, the kid's eyes get really big. And then again, the pastor says, where is God? And the kid freaks out and goes running out of that room as fast as he could. And as he runs by his brother, his brother's like, what's wrong? And he said, you're not going to believe this, but God's missing and they think we stole him. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we live in a society where people live their lives like God is missing. In fact, God is missing from a lot of their lives, and today we're going to take a look at a portion of Scripture that uh, actually is a story that Jesus told. It's found at the, at the end of Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse 24, and it's a parable, a story that Jesus ends uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount with. And so think about the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, just again, the Beatitudes are in that, and, and just the text right before this, Jesus is telling them that not all that say, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into heaven. And, and, uh, and he talks about that there's people that think they know God but don't know God. He's really missing from their life. And, uh, and so as Jesus is talking about the difference between true and false disciples, he ends with this story, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, therefore, so again, that bridge to what he just talked about in in, in, in the greatest sermon ever given, therefore everyone, no escaping it, all of us, all of us are building our life on a foundation. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We have any wise people in here? I hope so, that we're building our house on the rock. 
you know, it, it's interesting when you look at this, Jesus is basically telling them that we're all building on something, everyone. We're all building on something. And the question is, what are we building on? And he uses this to describe, like, in the Sermon on the Mount, people have heard it, but now he's telling them, what are we doing about what we've heard? It's not just hearing, but putting it into practice. We celebrated Easter last week, and what an amazing day. Wasn't it an amazing day? Uh, and, and, and I've heard from pastors all over that are just, man, what an exciting day, and it was great. But we also all know that Easter tends to be the day that you get that bump up in attendance with people that the only day they go to church is Christmas and Easter, right? And so the question is, are we, what are we doing between Christmas and Easter and Easter and Christmas? Are we living out our faith? And so Jesus is encouraging them that in their life that they're going to do that. And, and actually, Matthew chapter 7, it talks about this, but in, in Luke, it actually goes deeper, and, and it says that the person was intentional in what they did. It said, they who digged and went deep and laid a foundation on rock. So it goes even a little deeper and says, he goes deep. It's not something that's haphazardly done, but something that's intentional. And so that foundation of your life and my life, and, and what are we doing? Are we developing those habits in our faith that are helping us to go deep? In verse 25, it talks about the fact that our foundation, our house is going to be, it's going to be challenged. It's going to face some adversity. And so it says, the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And that's my question for you today. What's your foundation? The storm's coming. Some of you know because you're in the middle of a storm right now. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, it beat on the house. You know, when you look at disasters, there, there's a lot of different kinds of disasters. There's natural disasters that we face. And, and, and just watching the news and, and constantly, uh, you know, this is a church that supports Convoy of Hope. And, and, and when we've seen Convoy of Hope responding to the disasters, most recently the tornadoes uh, that have happened in, in the Midwest and, and the devastation, um, and we've seen the earthquakes in Turkey and other parts of the world. And then even the floods. Uh, ABC News reports this week, rain of biblical proportions. That was the quote, rain of biblical proportions. Well, actually, if you go into the days of Noah, it wasn't quite that biblical. But it was basically saying, this is a huge amount of rain. Fort Lauderdale, people were stranded in their homes and in their cars, 26 inches of rain in 24 hours. Wow, that's a lot of rain. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a retreat, and Sherry uh, called, and she's like, you know, we had a storm, a flash storm come through. It dumped a ton of rain, and she's, she's, she's calling me. She said, our basement is flooded, and I know what a couple inches of rain can do in a basement. I can't imagine 26 inches of rain in 24 hours. So there's the natural disasters. And let me also just say here, you know, the Bible speaks about that. When you see these kind of things, take note. Take note, because these are like the birth pains of the return of the Lord. You know, when you look at other disasters, there's human disasters that we all face. And sometimes it's human error. 
And sometimes it's just things that come at you out of nowhere. You know, uh, I have a friend I was talking to about this message a few weeks ago, uh, Paul Lynn. He's a uh, military chaplain, and, uh, and he was sharing. He said, Tom, there, there's a thing that I've been writing about. It's called external negative factors. And when I, I thought of that, I said, this actually describes pretty well the rain, the streams, the wind, the things that beat against our house. And, and, uh, and, and actually, for those of you that need, like, you know, uh, an acrostic, it, 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 these are some ideas. So the idea is the I, the I starts with injustice. He said the negative factors, there's injustice that happens in our lives. And, and, and with that, let me just say injustice, it's a lack of fairness. It's a lack of, of justice of those things that are right. Um, it's not behaving according to what's morally right. Now, let me just tell you, our culture has a real problem with knowing what's morally right because when you toss out the Word of God, it's hard to have a moral compass. Um, but the Bible tells us, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, it actually says, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity. It reaps disaster, is what it says in the New Living Trans- Translation. And can I also say that injustice doesn't belong to one color or people group? That I think that uh, there's times we look at our life and say, that just wasn't right. And things that come at us. Um, other internal, external factors. Uh, another external uh, is death. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, within the last week, um, I've had a, a cousin whose fiance passed away and, uh, on Easter morning. It's not the way you want to start your Easter. And, um, and then just a couple of days ago, I heard of one of my friends that I went to college with who passed away. And, um, and, and death can come at us at any point from any angle. In fact, some of you are, are just dealing with grief and loss in your own lives. And, and uh, in grief, we know it can hit us like a wave at any time. Another external factor is evil. Um, and, uh, and just thinking about, like, the shooting in Nashville a few weeks ago, that's pure evil. That doesn't make any sense why somebody would go into a school and, and, and take the life of children. Um, some of us have faced some pure evil in our lives. Uh, let me just say the attacks on kids today is pure evil. So many different places it's coming from. Uh, so if we're doing the walking through, the, the A is absurdity. And you're like, wow, absurdity, really, Tom? Well, actually, yeah. So think about it. The goofy stuff that happens in life. You know, the big stuff we know is going to come at us, but the goofy stuff that comes at us, the stuff breaks, the whole Murphy's Law kind of stuff, it's, it's the rent for living. Um, I was out in Pittsburgh doing a training yesterday, and, uh, and I said, you know, I'm going to go in. They've got great rails to trails, and, and I said, I'm going to go in the day early and, uh, and, and parked in a nice park and, and rode my bike into Pittsburgh and rode back and... And uh, it was amazing. It was great. But I got back after the, car, the, the park closed. And guess, guess whose vehicle was locked in the park? 
Yeah, and uh, so I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to get out? And so uh, I call the, you know, the 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 park uh, the, the park ranger, and uh, they send a police car over and unlock the gate for me and let me out, and gave me a fine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what happens, you know. And so, and I just and I just looked at him and I just said, I guess it's the rent for living. So lesson learned. But the absurdity, the stuff that happens, and you know, we can normally handle a couple absurd things at a time. But when, when it begins to pile on, here's the thing. Any of these things can come one at, one at a time at you. Sometimes they kind of cluster. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's actually like that tipping point for us. And we go, I just, could I really take any? Have you ever just looked up and say, is there any more coming right now? I've got just about as much as I can handle. And then God says, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. And you're like, God, you've got an overinflated opinion of myself. Um, and then other external negative factors and, and just suffering. Suffering. No one volunteers for cancer. Suffering. Injustice, death, evil, absurdity, suffering. Nobody gets by without experiencing these in their lives. The storms come. But then in verse 26, it says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. You know, the interesting thing is both houses looked fine from the outside. They both looked okay on the outside. They could actually... You know, you, you can look and say, wow, that looks like a really nice house, but, but the one didn't take the time to build it right. It was done haphazardly. It didn't go deep. We've got a thing happening in our house. We've got a garage that uh, over the, the, it was built in 1994, and our garage floor at certain points has sunk. So, I, I, and I look against the wall, and there's parts of it that you see maybe it dropped an inch or so. There's one part that drops six, seven inches. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not good. How many of you know I'm not parking in the garage right now? <laughs> but, you know, the, when, when you look at it and go, what, what happened? Well, you know, the, underneath the garage, it, it just, the foundation, the rebar, the fill just wasn't constructed right. The rain came. The streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house. And what happened? Verse 27, and it fell with a great crash, a great crash. Um, some of us know what that's like. When a house is blown away, you find out what the foundation of your identity really is. Was it in your possessions? Was it in your looks? Was it in your public image? Was it in your relationships? How many times do I see marriages that, that the kids move away, they grow up and they move away, and then the couple looks at one another and they realize, wow, our whole life has been built on our kids. What do we do now? And let me just say that building healthy relationships and and uh, being wise in our investments, those are all good things, but they're not the foundation of our life. <laughs> Have you been looking at your investments lately? You know, I looked at it uh, this past uh, couple weeks. I was doing some cleaning out of some drawers, and I, I went through some old statements. I said, wow, 
I had a lot more invested about a, a year ago. And I look at that and you say, well, don't worry, Tom, it'll come back. But here's the bottom line. I can't structure my life. I can't live my life based on my investments. What is the true foundation of my life? All important, but that's the most important is my relationship with him. God's faithfulness is the foundation that you can build your life on. He's faithful. 2008, Hurricane Ike came through and really hit the Houston-Galveston area pretty severely. The storm surge in a community uh, in Gilcrest was over 17 feet. Uh, here's a picture of uh, that area, and, uh, and as they put that up, you're going to see, uh, you know, that's what it looked like before Hurricane Ike. The elevation of this was just three feet. Think about that, 17-foot storm surge, three feet on this little peninsula right across from the Galveston Island. Things did not end up well. Take a look at the devastation. And you look at that, it wiped out everything. Well, not quite everything. One house stood. Take a look at this house. Let's go a little closer to that. Isn't that amazing? This house was built to last. And I looked at it, and, and here what they did is they built a really good foundation. And so when, 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 when you actually saw the picture and you zoomed in, you would see that there was a concrete. They, they poured a deep foundation in that. Is your life built to last? What's the foundation in your life? Well, if it's God, let me just say God is faithful in his promises. He's faithful in his promises. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is what? Faithful. He's faithful. Let me read a few of those promises. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's something, when we build our life on him, that's something we grab hold of. I love this verse in Psalm 32, verse 8. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Uh, I did a training yesterday, and, and uh, one of the things that I did at the end is I put pictures up, uh, in, uh, just different pictures, like card pictures. And I said, would, would you find a picture that really reflects on what you feel the vision for your life is in this next season? And a woman got really excited, and she sits down, and, and we went around the room, everybody kind of showed their picture, explained what they felt like I was speaking to them. And she held up a picture that said, it was actually a sign that said, this is the sign that you've been looking for. And she said, I was looking for direction in my life. I needed a sign. And I found a sign that said, this is the sign you're looking for. And I just thought about how many of us need direction in our life. We're looking for God to speak into us. When we build our foundation right, he'll give that to us. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Here's another great scripture. Write it down. He says, fear not for I am with you. Let me just say this. When a hurricane comes and a storm comes, what's the center of that? 
What's the center of that hurricane called? It's the eye. Listen to the eyes in Isaiah chapter 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let him be the eye in the middle of your storm. And Romans 8.28 says, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, it's interesting kind of walking through that. Uh, Let me just say that God is not a genie in a bottle. In other words, sometimes we like we ask things of God, but we have to understand it has to be according to His will and according to His purpose. And He's got a bigger perspective on us than we do. I've got two kids; they're grown now, and now I've got a three-year-old grandchild. And how many of your grandparents? They're at a great stage. You get to love them, care for them, spoil them, and then send them home at the end of the day. So, uh, but uh, we we just with that. Here's the thing. My three-year-old granddaughter, she'll be with us at the 11 o'clock, but um, she just, she loves ice cream. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, <laughs> you haven't outgrown that, huh? But uh, she loves ice cream. And, uh, and, and if you had, she would eat ice cream for every meal of the day. But we've got a bigger perspective and recognize, you know what, we can do that at times, but we can't live you know, uh, thou shalt not eat on ice cream alone, okay? Uh, but I think sometimes we can look at things and say, uh, you know, God, give me this, give me that. But he looks at, he's, he's faithful. He knows just what we need. And he also knows that in these storms, he's building our character in the middle of all those. Let me just say in the middle of it, he's faithful with his presence, uh, There's a scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, we have our life grounded in the Lord, when our foundation is Him, no matter what comes at us, uh, those things, uh, they may set us back a little bit, but I don't know about you, I, I, love, I love the Rocky movies. Anybody love the Rocky movies? And, and, and I remember in one of the movies, Rocky's being pounded, and then suddenly... He just looks at at the other fighter and said, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. Because he's got resilience. God can give us resilience in the middle of whatever battle we're facing because we're not alone. He's with us. He says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, we look at Isaiah 41, verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. 
God is your helper in the middle of whatever storm you're facing. It's really interesting because earlier, one of the verses, it talks about that in, in Isaiah 41. It says, I will uphold you with my righteous, what? Right hand. And now what does he do? In that same chapter in verse 13, he says, who takes hold of you, your right hand. And with that, he's, he's there by your side. Let me just say this, though, um, that I think that sometimes in our lives we feel like I've failed. And, and I want to be really careful. And here's the caution of this message is that what Jesus is talking about, make sure you're building your life on the right foundation. And some of you are here, and this is, this is like in your spirit, you're like, I, I feel really good because I know that I've been taking the steps. I've been walking faithfully to God. I'm taking those steps that I need to take. But some of you are hearing this and saying, Tom, I have blown it. I've messed up. And with this, I want to be really careful that we don't, that we don't in this face a lot of self-rejection. What we're doing is we're looking at the Scripture. Use this as an assessment for your life, where you're at. But with it, how do we respond is so important. Henry Nouwen, he talks about this and he says that sometimes what happens, we hear that God loves us, but then we look at our life with guilt and shame and brokenness and we end up running from God like they did in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they go into hiding. Nouwen says this, I am beginning now to see how radically the character of my spiritual journey will change when I no longer think of God as hiding out and making it as difficult as possible for me to find him, but instead as the one who is looking for me while I'm doing the hiding. He's saying that sometimes we'll look and say, God, where are you? But the reality is that sometimes it's us hiding from God because we realize we have failed him. We have failed him. See, we have to recognize that God is faithful in forgiving. Aren't you glad for the forgiveness of God? We take this assessment. We look at how we've built our life. And at some point we go, okay, I've done here well. I've done really bad here. You look and go, Tom, I haven't really relied on him to be my foundation. I've tried to do everything in my own power. In the middle of this, we recognize it is God and God alone. Um, I was listening to a message from, uh, from a preacher, Alistair Beggs, and, and he was sharing a little bit on, on just kind of this whole principle. And as the worship team comes up, I, I'm gonna, or the, the, the band comes up, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Um, he was saying that what often happens is that um, we ask the question. There's a question with evangelism that was asked years ago, actually in a church in Fort Lauderdale. They, they, they taught evangelism training all throughout the world, and they, they would ask the question that if you, were, if you would arrive into heaven and you wanted to get into heaven, you know, what would you say? What would you say to get into heaven? And, and he said, our answers tend to be, well, I did this. I was a good person, or I made a decision to follow Jesus. And he said, or we say, I was a church member, or I gave, or I did this, and I did that. And he said, in the midst of all of that, he said, 
Those may all be good things, but that's not the right perspective because that perspective is all talking about I, what I did. He said, we need to change that to the third person. We need to change that to God. Why heaven? Why would I be able to get into heaven? Because he died on the cross for me. The worship team led us in songs during the whole worship set. I'm hearing about the cross. I'm hearing about what his power did. It's not my power. It's not my power. Even what happens is the enemy wants to even corrupt the good things we do because then we take credit for it. It's not me that gets the credit. It's he that gets the credit. And so with that, Alistair said, when I get to heaven, I want to find that guy that was the thief on the cross that arrived in heaven. He said, I want to talk to him. I want to ask him, how in the world did that work out for you? At one moment, you're cursing Jesus. And then the next moment. Can you imagine that guy? He gets into heaven, and, and as he's into heaven, the angel sees him. One of the angels sees him there and says, uh, so, you know, by, how are you here? How? And, and he goes, I don't know. I don't know. He says, what do you mean you don't know? Says, I, I don't know. And the angel says, wait a minute, I'm going to have to get my senior angel over. And the senior angel comes over, and the senior angel comes over, and and, uh, and the senior angel looks at him and says, um, so how are you here? And, and, and the guy goes, I, I don't know. And he says, well, uh, are you familiar with the doctrine of justification by faith? He goes, <laughs> I don't know. No, I've never heard of that. What about John 3.16? You know John 3.16? What is John 3.16? And he looks at him perplexed. The angel's looking at him perplexed. How, how are you here? And then the man says to him, all I know is the man in the middle said I can come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. Amen. Amen. We're building our life on what the man in the middle has done. We're building our life on his life and his sacrifice. And if we do that, we'll never fail. We bow in prayer. God, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending the man who died on that middle cross for our sins. And God, some of us look at our life and go, we've blown it. We've been building on the round foundation for a long time. God, today, we pray that we'll make the choice to build on that right foundation, the foundation of Jesus, the rock of our faith. How many today say, I'm making that decision. I'm going to build on the rock. Amen. I'm going to build on the rock. Let me ask you this. How many of you, you say, Pastor, I'm... I'm in the middle of a storm right now. The rain's come. The winds are blowing. I feel like I'm being pounded right now. And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm in the middle of a storm. 
If that's you, just raise a hand. God, yeah, a lot of you in the middle of a storm. Middle of a storm. Thank you. Thank you. God, help us. We need your help right now. I I, want to say this in the right way. If you feel comfortable doing this, I I don't want you to feel guilt or or feel bad. But if you're in the middle of a storm right now, would you stand right where you're at? Thank you. Thank you for taking that step of faith. Um, Let's all look around us. If there's a friend or somebody close to you, would you slip out right now and stand beside them? And just gently, maybe on their shoulder, just lay a hand on their shoulder. We're going to turn this whole place into an altar. Is that how we do that? If you're online right now, if you're online, you're watching online, and you're in the middle of a storm, we're praying for you as well. Just reach out. Reach out towards that mobile device or computer, whatever that might be. God, here I am. Here I am. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord God, for them to sense your presence in the middle of the storm they're facing, Lord God. Father, as they feel like they're being pounded, Lord, and you know what it is. Sometimes it's health issues. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. Lord, things within our life and even things that I didn't mention, but God, you know, you are a God who knows in the middle of all that, Lord, we just lay it before you. And Lord, we intercede for our friends right now. And we pray, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit to minister to them in a powerful way, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this, we can reach out to you, Lord God. Father, in the middle of that, we pray, Lord God, for you to come alongside them. God, as you say in your word, fear not, for I am with you. Lord, let them sense your presence. Lord, it says, be not dismayed, God, for I am your God. God, today, you are our God. We put our trust in you, Lord God. I will strengthen you, God. Our friends need you're strengthening right now. I will help you. They need your help, Lord God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Grab their right hand, Lord God, and I pray, Father, that they'll sense your strengthening along the way, Lord God, whatever it may be, Lord God. We pray, Father, for your ministry to them and through them at this time. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Church, we're going to worship God. There's a firm foundation that we can lay our life down, and we're going to just call out to him and praise him. The altar is open if you want to come, if you want to worship up front, if you're at home, just wherever you might be, just make that an altar. God, here we are. We just reach out to you. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.